What's up, everybody? This is Grant, at Cause Artist. Welcome to another episode of the Disruptors for Good podcast. Today, we have a truly incredible story, and, and all the people that I talk to are, are incredible and have these amazing journeys, but sometimes some just really stand out more than others, and, and just, just because of the path and the journey, it's just unlike a lot of people. It's just unlike a lot of people's journey. So today, we're going to talk to Trinity Heavens, who is the founder and CEO of Era92, which is a tech company in Uganda, right outside the slums of Kampala, which is where Trinity grew up and a lot of his journey comes from. It's from the slums of, of Uganda and living in extreme poverty and, and almost dying from starvation before he was even a teenager. And he goes into detail with a lot of this stuff and it's really it's really touching and it's it's obviously devastating on so many different fronts. Um, but he talks about how he got out of you know the streets and got out of a bad lifestyle and found a computer and you know discovered all these amazing things he can do on a computer and how technology sort of changed his life. And he was fortunate enough to get an internship at Coca-Cola for a year, um, and that really gave him even more talent and skills that he never thought were possible. And he wanted to really bring that back to the people still living in the slums in, in Uganda and, you know, where he grew up, where he was from. And he wanted to, you know, really give back in a way where it wasn't, you know, charity, it was skills, right? I mean, he, he just had skills now. He's like, I need to use this to give back in some way, you know? So he started a company and he started, you know, training a friend that was in some really desperate times on, you know, how to build websites and how to build and just spark, you know, talent and skills within her that she never even thought she had, which, which happens to a lot of us when we find something that we're sort of passionate about, you know, so from that point on, he, you know, he really tried to go out and just, just scrap and, and get clients because he wanted to, you know, teach the people in the, uh, more people in the slums of Uganda how to you know, build websites, learn web development, learn web design, learn graphic design, graphic development, all these different skills that can be incorporated for businesses around the world, right? And, you know, we talk a little bit about how when we think about tech hubs around the world, we don't think about Africa. You know, we think about India, we're thinking about Asia, um, Europe, South America now is, is sort of an upstart too, but we never think about Africa as, as a hub of uh, tech talent. It's uh we really go into you know maybe why that is and, and and why he's trying to change that and they have him and his team have really just built out an incredible system where you know they they train and develop you know skilled technology workers in Uganda and and help them get jobs and you know for lack of a better term change their lives uplift them out of extreme poverty just by offering them a job based on what skills they have had and what they learned and what they earned from the Era 92 training programs and the nonprofit that they started to, to actually train the individuals to go into the jobs that they want. Um, it's really an all around incredible, incredible story. And Trinity obviously explains it way better than I can. So I will stop talking and, and let Trinity take over and tell his incredible story. Um, before I get into that, I just want to thank everybody again for listening and sharing and uh, reviewing. And I appreciate all, all the the kind words everybody reaches out and says and you know that's what keeps me motivated so by all means keep doing that 
uh, review if you can. Of course, uh, grant at causeartist.com if you want to reach out. I have some uh, exciting news coming out um, soon about a new platform I've been working on for a really long time that will help with uh, you know getting getting everybody's news out there like easily and more efficiently um, where I can't get to everybody's requests, but the, what I'm building out I think will will handle that a little bit better and it'll uh, hopefully make cause ours more sustainable um, you know because it's that's what we need sustainability in business right to keep going so you know hopefully, the platform will resonate and I'll be talking a lot more about that coming up soon. The other platform we have that's live now is impactrecipe.com uh, where we do uh, web hosting, uh, maintenance and updates for nonprofits and social enterprises, social ventures. Uh, so check that out when you can. And we'll get into Trinity's interview now. Um, hope everybody's having a, a great week and have a great day. Thanks. Bye. So how I like to, to usually start these is to talk about a, a person's journey, mm. their process of, of sort of becoming, you know, CEO or founder or whatever sort of position or path that the person is in their life. So let's kind of start early on and just talk early on about your life and everything like that and how you fell in love with, with technology. Uh, yeah, my journey was, uh, you know, I always tell this story because I think it's important to, you know, my story as a person. Some people don't want to, you know, go to that beat. But um, my mom was raped when she was 16 years old. And when she was raped, the, their parents, you know, the father and the, uh, the parents, uh, you know, her, her father uh, told her, you know what, I can't raise a child that I don't know the father of. So because my mom was raped, she couldn't find my 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 dad and so it was clear that my mom had to go onto the streets early on when she was 16 and then she had to find a new life so my mom moved from the village where she was and she came to the cap to the capital city of you know kampala you know yeah mm -hmm. uganda yeah that, that our capital state is called kampala so she came to the capital city but you know those these urban settlements when you come from the village you have to go to the slums because it's very expensive to get any good place because you don't have any money so my mom ended up in the one of the worst slums in kampala called kosovo and it was named after uh, a country in you know yeah. called kosovo you know russia where there's you know too much too many fighting because there's so many killings in kosovo so my mom put herself in this danger just to find, you know, a path for me to be raised. But early on, my mom wanted, you know, to change the background, to change my future. And the biggest thing she wanted to do was to actually get me good quality education. Mm -hmm. So she was poor. She worked hard, you know, all different kind of jobs, washing for people, selling food, groceries. And then one day she raised money for at least two years to get me, you know, in school for the first time. And uh, unlucky enough, you know, she didn't know that uh, she had this, you know, radio ad on, on, on radio about a school that was relevantly cheap. The school was $10 per, per term, per semester. And she got so excited and she invited all the people that were struggling to put their kids in school. So when my mom uh, uh, got excited, other people came and they picked, you know, seven boys of us and then we joined the school. So unknowingly, this was a school of neglected, abused street children. But the people who are running the school wanted to make more money. So they called other students who are normal kids to come and be part of the school. And so my first day of school, everything down to the shoes on my feet was stolen. You know, uh, the dormitories had no doors. We never entered class, you know, in that school, not even once. And uh, that was 
my the journey you know of, of my life you know to become a street child even though i wasn't born one so in this school i had to learn to survive on my own i was just nine years old and oh. they told our parents you know what you're not gonna see your parents until december so you they, you drop them in february when the time starts and then you pick them in december 2nd and so my mom didn't know whatever things that was happening with me she didn't know that i was struggling she didn't know i was i was not even sleeping in a normal house i was i was in the bush and so unlucky enough because we had to fetch firewood to get food we had to do you know fetch water to to get a, a meal a day at school and i was a little boy and my friends couldn't handle it and uh, the sad story that you know the other boys that couldn't handle it died so we lost three boys in that year that i was coming you know who, who, uh, that i came you know with from the slums so december came and they had to pick us and so my mom couldn't recognize me you know she just you know broke into tears i was malnourished but the most hurting thing was that the parents who were expecting their kids they couldn't see them they told them the boys died some were drowned in water and some were oh. beaten to death their parents came to come get them and they just weren't there is that is that how they yeah. found out that's the, that's how they found out because it's a it's a street though all everyone who is in that school was picked from the streets unless the few kids who are normal kids like us so we left that community i left that school and then my mom couldn't bring me back and then i stayed home uh, she brought me back to the to the slums to kosovo but at this stage um one year you know being with street children i was a street child so i couldn't fit in at home with her so the first day she brought me home the second day i ran away and i joined the streets so i joined the streets in kosovo you know because there are so there are, there are so many gangs in kosovo so i joined one of the gangs with my brother uh with my friend like i call him brother because i grew up with him so uh once we joined the streets we wanted someone to lead us because i was still young i was uh, 9 uh, i was 10 years now and so we joined the gang called b13 and we started doing the same thing that we were doing in the, in a in a in the village and so <clears throat> we did that for one year two years and then at the age of 13 you know something bad still happened again this guy who was leading our gang member our gang our gang you know took us to steal on new year's eve because on that day so many people are out in the streets and you could you know steal lots of phones and different things this guy took us to to steal at a at a certain shop and once he took us to steal he so many things that he could run away with but people had recognized us in the community and they knew that we are we are thieves and so this this boy took our leader took a lot of things and I, in the meantime people recognized oh these are the boys that steal this place we need to go over them so they chased us and boom this guy was caught and he was beaten to death and he was beaten stones to his head and his brain <clears throat> spilled out and he cried out for help when one, one we were we were young but he cried out for help and we couldn't help him but we just dropped everything and we ran away and to me this was like the turning point because on the streets the, the gang member is like your boy is the person that you see that is going to save your life at this time he was dead and so we went hiding because one of the ladies there told us you boys you were the next this was the first one now you guys are next and then we were so frightened so we ran away and start hiding under the ditches so we hid in the ditches for one week and in that ditch i was i was um, i was getting sick i was uh, uh, not feeding and if i took any other week in that ditch i was going to die but luckily enough 
there were some missionaries who had come to our community uh, from an, an organization an organization called Fields of Life. They had come to to visit and see the poverty in Kosovo because many whites were coming into our community. And so the local pastor was wa- wa- walking by and he recognized us. I know these boys. What are you doing under the dish? And so they picked us. And when they picked us, it was evident that we were going to die the next day. We hadn't fed in, in one week um, and we were sick. You know, we had the wounds all over our bodies. And these people took us to the, to the, to the, to the, to the hospital, you know, like a clinic, you know, in the right. community. And we, we got first aid. Cutting the, the long story short, this was like the turning point. We were resurrected, we were given a new life, we were given hope. And then some ladies in this group said, do these boys go to school? I say, no, they've never been to school. Trinity has never been to school. I was called Emma by them. And uh, they, you know, they decided to sponsor us. And that's the first time we got, uh, you know, a chance to be in a normal class. You know, they gave us porridge, everything. And so the key things in this, you know, story is that when they picked us from the streets, one of the things they gave us, they gave us food, they gave us everything not to steal again, but they gave us the tools that we needed to play with, you know, like uh, for me, I was given a computer. So I started playing with the computers when I was, you know, at the age of 13, I was started, you know, designing websites. I started, I was on a website called Pennypo. I was, I had an email called email. So I, I got a chance to play with the technology at, at the tender age. And so I started training myself on how to, you know, when YouTube had come out in on how to design logos, websites and stuff like that. So I did that for five, six years. And at the age of 17, to cut the long story short, I was picked, you know, uh, in a talent search uh, by Coca-Cola. And so I got this chance to go and intern in one of uh, uh, Coca-Cola's agents that was designing, you know, uh, their ad campaigns locally here because they have their companies that run their ads and stuff like that. So I got this chance. And one thing that happened to me is that in one year of interning at Coca-Cola completely changed my life, not by me getting food or anything, but getting the opportunity to be in the right place with the right full opportunity. Right. So just one year was enough for me to change everything. You know, I could send food at my mom's place I could you know pay my rent at the age of 17 and I was still at school and so this really opened my mind and I was like wow this is great you know I wasn't living in the slums anymore because they they had gotten me an apartment and so this was a very big eye-opening for me and it was a very hard thing to believe that someone like me Emma could turn into a young person a young designer at coca-cola i realized that you know what <laughs> there's so many young people like me yeah who have the same skill set who have the same talent who have the same drive but they don't have the opportunity and i was like how can i go back and help these people you know i was so young and i couldn't do anything but then i gave it one year the second year i quit my internship and i went back to the slums but i just went with nothing i said let me just go back with these people let me learn their dreams let me learn how they want to you know turn their lives and when yeah. i started listening to all the young people in my community they had this dream of building things of doing things for their own but then they didn't have the opportunities so i got this you know uh heart to actually start reverse engineering the you know the poverty that we've had in our community mm-hmm. and one of the biggest things that we wanted to do is to reverse engineer the poverty that you've gone up because 
all of us, there's a vicious cycle. You know, young people are born in poverty. They give birth at 16 years of age. They become single mothers at the age right. of 19. Right. By the age of 25, they have six kids. And there are these women that we are say, oh, empower women. So I realized the problem they end up like this is because they don't get the opportunity in the rightful time, in their prime time when they are still young. I was lucky to get that opportunity. So in that time, I didn't know what I was doing, but I had to <laughs> right. Just wanted to do something yeah. to figure it out. <laughs> yes, I had to figure it out. I had faith in God I had, and I had faith in, in, in what I could do, but I didn't know how to do it. That's another point that I would put out later in, in, in our podcast. So God made up something, a girl that was going through a very, very hard moment. And I knew her. She was called Megan, and I'm still working with her today. Megan was uh, Megan. Megan's father had broken his backbone while building. He was a builder. He's a builder, and he fell off the building and he broke his backbone. And this was a person that was feeding and taking care of, of six kids. Wow. And so when he got this problem, all the the the, the responsibilities came down to Megan. I said, you know what? Megan now take care of the family. Megan couldn't do anything. I know what her friends told her, tell her, you know what, Megan, you need to go and sell your body so mm. that you can take care of your family or your, your siblings. And Megan came to me to seek advice. You know what, Trinity? This is what my friends are telling me. And I told her, you know what, Megan, don't do any of this, but I want to try out some, something with you. I want to start training young people in design, arts, and technology, but I want to start with you. I'm going to pay you for my, my savings. So... I did. I said, you know what? Don't, don't go and sell your body. So Megan uh, started with me. I started in my room and other two boys and one girl. And we started training. And then it was so surprising that after three months in, this girl was smarter than me when I was <laughs> learning these things. She was so smart and she got everything, you know. And by the age of, uh, by the end of, you know, the four months that I was training them, this girl was able to build a website on her own in WordPress and Joomla. I yep. was like, you gotta be kidding me. It took me like many years <laughs> to figure this out. But then something sparked in my brain that you know what? I lacked a mentor when I was still young. Right. I lacked someone. I was I had the I had the, the eagerness to learn, but I had no opportunity and someone to take me through the journey. Megan got me, and that's why she was able to learn this thing. So I was like, Megan, I'm gonna give you a job. Let's start. Let me go and look for websites. Let me look go and look for graphics work and I come with work. And I started with Megan, but then I said, you know what? We are going to empower young people. We are going to work with many young people so that we can solve this problem of youth unemployment that leads to this vicious cycle of poverty in our community. So we started, Megan trained other people. She became a trainer and she, she, she designed websites. So we did start. And uh, as I talk right now, we have, you know, 17 young people that have been, that are working with us, you know, and most of them. All of them are coming from the poverty that you cannot imagine. But right. we realize that talent is equally distributed, but the opportunity is not. And that's why right. we are trying to bring uh, as many opportunities as we can to the slums and these people that need them. Wow, man. That's, that's an incredible, incredible, incredible story. I want to go back to uh, when you first got your computer. And yeah. uh, what what was sort of that like? Like, what were some of the first things that, did you learn on your own? Did they have like a, a curriculum that they taught you? Like what, what were those some of the things early on that you remember that you just like kind of fell in love with when you, when you first got it? Number one, word art. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> word art, clip art, and movie maker. Okay. Um, those three things I spent my time, like I still have videos on YouTube right now of me just editing out things in movie maker. And those things really made, you know, just making word art and those things move out. Those things really, really made my, 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 you know, that time when I, I just couldn't, uh, my hands on a computer. And then it sparked this vicious curiosity in me yeah. to yeah. learn and do things. And um, I, 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 I was lucky that my, uh, the, the, the leader, the pastor of the church trusted me. You know what? Start designing for us newsletters. Start designing right. things for, right. start, uh, pro, 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 uh, you know, doing PowerPoint in church. And I did that. And uh, those three things really, I still have memories of them. And I still have things that I did with, you know, those programs. So when you trained Megan, like early on, you, the company wasn't necessarily formed yet, right? Like yeah. what? At what point did you decide, like, okay, this is this is this is what I I want to do, right? I want to create a company and like basically train people, individuals, you know, in these slums, and like give them opportunity through my company. Was that were you like how old were you when you decided to make that that sort of real real decision to do that? I I decided to do this when I was nineteen, but you know, you this is a good point because it really took me years to figure out even how to have processes, processes in a company. So when I started out, because I told you, I didn't know the clear path for me. Right. So I started an NGO as any other person. I still have that NGO that is, that run, that is run by young people. It's called 92 yep. org. But I started that with that, but that's not what I wanted to put or spend my, my lifetime on because I never want, I never liked what other organizations were doing. Other organizations were creating further cycles of dependence. Mm. To reflect on what I got, I got a chance to go and intern with Coca-Cola, which helped me improve my skills. And these skills helped me to be able to earn and get a good job. So I realized for me, one, one, one thing I wanted, I wanted to give people the opportunity to work themselves out of poverty by giving them the opportunity and also tapping into their full-time potential, their inner potential. And so once you tap into someone's potential, you that's what they did to me in, in when I was still 13 years. They tapped into my potential. They didn't say, okay, this boy is a poor kid. Let's train him how to sew or how to do things. But it tapped into what ignited my passions. And so I wanted to do that for many young people. So... Uh, that, you know, took me a lot of years and, uh, to figure out even what social entrepreneur mean, I didn't know that, so, but I, I wanted to do something that to run a business that it also does go, you know? So, uh, I still have the templates for our websites that we started with us. Like I, uh, one of our taglines was a business that does good, a business that empowers people, you know? So I, I yeah. had to figure out over time what our communications would be like, how, what would be our model, you know? And so my brother, it's been, it's been a long journey. I can say. <laughs> it's uh, when you had those like first, you know, Megan seemed to be like the first person that you really kind of like yeah, trained, so to speak. Right. But then like after that, how, how did you like pick or choose people? Right. Did people after Megan, like people came to you and were like, can you do this for me too? Right. Like, or, <laughs> or did you yeah. people that you felt had potential and went and and went and talked to them and, you know, asked them if they wanted to be a part of this. And, and like, did you have like 
a client yet? Like, how are you actually making money? Right? Were you doing stuff freelance yeah. at that point? Yeah. So yeah, that, that's a good question. I, when I when I went to work, well, I got so much exposed, and people liked my story and where I was coming from. So I came out with a lot of people that wanted to do work with me, and uh, but for me, I wanted to put my mission first. That's why I first quit my job and figure out how how can I help the people that I want to help. But the significant change that happened in Megan's life in six months after me working with her and paying me and paying her was so dramatic that even the church was like, you guys need to go and learn from Trinity. Even in the community, we started having people right now have so many young people who are designers in, in Uganda that were just calling me or coming to me to learn from me. So one of the things that I need to point out here is that the brilliance, the eagerness, the curiosity that is in the slums or in these vulnerable communities is unimaginable. We just look over it because we think these people are vulnerable, they are poor, but inside them, they have a burning desire to change their lives. And so I wanted to tap into that. And my first example was Megan, because Megan was able to feed her family. She told me, you know what, Trinity, the most important thing about this job is I'm able to take my food for my siblings and my father who is on the bed. And so that changed my life. And so everything, like the business processes and stuff like that, I say, you know what, God will help us and get grants. And you know, uh, because of referral, people have been coming to us and our business has been built on referral, nothing else. And also learning from my mistakes. Yeah, it's a, it's it, when you when you sort of do good by people, right? Just as yeah. in a business, right? When you just treat, clients well and do a good job like they will be your salespeople forever <laughs> you know yeah, right? yeah. i mean they're gonna yeah. refer you i mean that's how you create a sustainable business is, is through those referrals because yeah. you know this is this is your livelihood right your people are depending yeah. on you you're committed to doing they, a great job for yeah people, right? that's how it should be yeah <laughs> That's how it should be. And as actually the, the most important line in this thing that I've learned about social entrepreneurship, that the client is also as important as our mission, because without business, there's no impact. For me, I was so much like in the early years, I was so much benched into, oh, let's help people, let's help people. And I wasn't marketing, I wasn't looking for new clients. And that would reach a point whereby like our, our mission was being constrained because we couldn't, you know, fund it any further so that's a very important thing brother so let's talk a little bit about the impact that has been made right like mm-hmm. whether it's lives that has been changed like what is Kosovo like like now is it the same is it like when people come and work for you do they get out of the slums like is there like is your office there is your office somewhere else and literally people come work and they like you know lead the slums to come work you know with mm-hmm. you like how what's the what's sort of the the impact been throughout the years so far? Yeah, yeah. For me, actually, you know, I've, we've done a lot of, you know, great impact in the lives of young people, but the outstanding one is always Megan. So, and but after Megan, uh, because that was, that's the first one, but after Megan, there's, you know, been other 500 young people that have been through our program called Elevate wow. Program. Wow. And, uh, and is that 500 all, young... Is that all students from Kosovo? Yes, all students from Kosovo. And the good thing that we can track these people we know where they are and mm. i know most of them by name and i know what they are doing right now and how their life because they come to they keep coming to us you know to to give testimonies you know about their work but uh, um 
we have created an environment close to the slums because we don't want them to move too long. But right. then our company, the offices, the center where we train them or where we work, it's totally well furnished. You know, we set out to do something that when they enter into this thing, they're into a new world. Right. So that it can make them their cha- their mindset change because dealing with poverty, you're mostly dealing with a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> we benchmark into working with their minds, you know, exposing them to mentors. One of the, the key things that we use is peer-to-peer learning, but also mentorships. We bring in a lot of people who have made it because once you see someone who is doing what you want to do, it's like the a flame or light at the end of the tunnel you exactly see that this is where i want to be and if someone tells you you know what if you want to be here you gotta you gotta put in work you gotta uh, be devoted you have to keep time and so their mindset start to shift you know they go they get over drugs they get over prostitution they get over this uh, poor me- mentality until their lives change what's the the program process like when somebody comes in is it is it a they apply sort of online or they come into the office and apply. And then what's sort of actual the program like? Is it is it sort of like three months of web development training? Is there certain like technologies that are foundational to what they need to learn like right out? Because I mean, is it is it individuals or students that are coming in and like have never even touched a computer before, right? I mean, everybody yeah. a lot of people have phones now, right? So it's kind of understand technology a little bit from a mobile standpoint at least. Yeah. So, um, as I told you, we have the other organization, which is called United Ones, which does more of the community work. So it's interested into the community. It's ba- it basically works with the women and the children, but there's a section where they also mobilize young people. So once they come, we all don't put them into one thing, but we also have a funnel to filtrate uh, who is best fitted into what we are offering. And then those who aren't, we are we recommend them to the organizations that are working with more likely in in the things that they want to do, like hair plating and stuff like that, which uh, Nated once does. So if a typical young person comes to Elevate or Era Ninety Two after being discovered, what they get is they get through you know a discovery thing or to understand what their dreams are what their passions are what have they been at and then we give them 3 weeks just to be in that environment uh, every day they come they talk to our mentors we expose them to different things they want to touch and then after that we ask them a few questions of how they want you know what do they want and um we have you know, five programs. You have uh, Tomorrow Alive, which is a program that is works with young people uh, through career development, uh, ethics, and all these kind of things. We have graphic designing and web development. This is where they they learn about graphics, in design, those programs. We have a software development one where they learn best coding, and once they get good at it and they discover their passion in that, they are taken it onto another level. We have those ones who have never touched a computer, they have their session to go throughout, you know, to learn how to play with these computers and stuff like that. And then you have the two days, uh, which is a, a, a two-day startup to discover entrepreneurs. And then they go through our startup incubator where, you know, they're starting small businesses. So those are the four programs, but basically both of them take six months with us and then six months apprenticeship. So a typical young person, when they come to us and they learn web design or they learn 
graphics or they learn photography or filmmaking, we definitely, after six months, place them into an organization where they can do those things hands-on. And once they do those things hands-on, uh, we've heard that 70% of these young people are retained because wow. what we train them is character that you go in this organization and discover a loophole and fix that problem. Once you fix that problem, they're not gonna get rid of you because they will be leaving a gap into their organization. And so um, these young people go and create content for this organization, basically uh, non-profits. We have six of them that are working with us. And then you have big media houses that uh, take our, uh, our young people. And uh, yeah, that, that has been the journey. And then I always pick, you know, uh, three of them that are, are the best and then we retain them at era 92 so that's why we have the number 17. wow I mean, dude it's it's really incredible bro what you have built man and like it's it's uh it's look it just looks at everything from a different angle from like how technology and and just the ability to have opportunity to change your life right to to spark that that inspiration right i mean a lot of what you're talking about, that's like very similar, like what happened to me as far as like the mindset of like and getting introduced to like a computer, right? And getting introduced to like what's possible. Cause once you have mm-hmm. that, once you have mm-hmm. that like laptop, that piece of equipment, then it's endless. Mm-hmm. Right. Like yeah. you can literally the the hardest thing to do is just figuring out what you want to do because there's literally anything mm-hmm. you can do, right? You could get yeah. You can get trained yes. on anything you want, right? You can learn anything mm-hmm. that you want. So it's it's really taking that time to just even figure out like, wow, I'm passionate about this. I like this, but I'm not, it's not my passion, but I like it. I'm gonna move on to something else. Let me try this. And that's been my journey is just like constantly learning and constantly figure out what I like and what I love mm-hmm. and then just, just choosing it and going to learn it, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's the greatest tool created because there's almost no excuses, right? You know, like if you have this and you have internet, like you can learn anything, anything. you want, right? Anything you want. Yeah, like for me, uh, I'm telling you, um, one of the things that uh, I'm passionate about, you know, is Africa. And uh, we have, uh, um, you know, another uh, department that is called the New Africa in our organization. And basically it's that, as Africa, as you know, Uganda, we've been so much sold to the idea of us being helped, which is on both sides. Like, for example, many young people in, in the slums, for them, they don't dream of working. They don't dream of unlocking this potential. They dream of uh, getting a white person, you know, to change their lives. And I say, you know what? We have everything right now into our pockets, in our hands, to change our lives, to change our economies, to change our countries. And... Uh, that's what I advocate for in our lives in, in these young people. I say, you know what? This is our time. You know, this is our time to change everything. What's been the response been locally? Do you work with local universities? Do you work with like local government? Because I mean, what you're doing is like, <laughs> you're solving problems that governments have been unable to solve, right? Where yeah. universities <laughs> have failed to solve this issue, right? Like locally, like what has the response been? from local yeah. you know, leadership or people in power there? Have they been uh, like helpful at all? Have they come to you to do partnerships or anything like that? Yeah, um, it's hard to change the paradigm and to change the status quo in this kind of area because it's a money-making machine for governments here. Uh, one of the things that I disagree with, with because for me, uh, uh, just to, uh, to, to, put, to punch in my story, uh, I was able to pay for my university. 
and I wanted to get a degree for my parents uh, because that's how I was brought up. So I went to the university to pay uh, and started paying. And, I, you know, the first year I was like, okay, I was studying, you know, Bachelor of Fine Art and Industrial Design. I was doing it. I went there with passion. The first year I was into theory, the renaissance of art, the Gothic art. I wasn't doing anything. I just wanted to learn about communications, photography, and those things. The second year, I'm into the same thing. And I quit in the second year. Um, because one of, the, one of the things I was advocating for was like, you know, oh, man, these things are able to be told to a young person in one year. Because the, the, the flow of information has changed. There is so much information in the air on, on this browser than ever before. So the amount of time we spend in classroom has to change because we have these things with us. The reason why we spend more time because they had to copy things for us on the blackboard so that we can copy on the blackboard onto our books. That's why we had to spend so much time in the classroom. We've sat, you know, been on television about this issue, but it's very hard to change. But we've been able to win the organizations uh, that I want to implement our programs. And so recently, the organization that picked me from the slums, Feeds of Life, they're building the first a technical institution and I was on a on a on a tour to fundraise for them uh, for this wow. um yeah in fast you know fields, uh, fields? modern like fields of life fields of life fields yeah. of life like fields fields like fields of life yep. like f i e l d s and uh, and uh, they are building it in Gulu where you know uh, the place that I was affected by war but you know what? This is an organization that has been there for 25 years. And once they had this thing from us, they say, well, like, this is the new Africa. This is what we are supposed to be doing, not giving people water filters, not giving people this kind of thing. So uh, you're right. The education system has to change because we are in the 21st century and yeah. we are not ready. Has internet been an issue? I'm sure, obviously, since the first days you got the computer to, to now. Uh, yeah. it's gotten better of course but like is there still even because the opportunity almost relies on that too right the infrastructure of yeah. the bandwidth that that you're able to build a tech company there like a tech hub so to speak mm-hmm. and you need to be obviously able to have you know the bandwidth to to do all this stuff has has that been improving over time or is that is that still an issue at all yeah, it has it has improved like you know international companies like Vodafone, you know, and some from South Africa have been investing in this infrastructure for many years. Like wherever I go right now in Uganda, I can have at least four G. You know, it's not like the four G in your countries, but it's you can build uh, a company on it. And then those who want fiber, they, it's also available, and so uh, you can get fast speeds. You can get anything, and it has improved dramatically because in two thousand five. I was getting over how many, like, it was too slow. I could do nothing on the computer yeah, right now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was, I imagine. She yeah. was slow. It was slow here then, too. So we were in yeah. the same boat. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Did you think about doing some type of uh, certificate program? Because like you said, I think that universities are lacking in their curriculum, right? And they're yeah. sort of, they're, they're stuck in this, you know, four year type deal or two year type mm-hmm. deal. Like to me, it's like you can take these boot camp courses and classes and you can learn everything you'd learn in four years and, you know, in 12 months, right? 16 months. Like yeah. if you really know how to do the curriculum, you know what you need to learn. And have y'all maybe create, like you've already kind of created the coursework, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is there 
is there some type of degree or certificate that you can create like as a company or organization where it's like, this is a stamp of approval where obviously many people, not just in your country, but in my country as well, can't afford to go to college. You know, it's just not attainable for most people, you know, but now to me, there's such a, a shortcut, right? Like a cheaper and yeah. more effective way to be educated, you know, but there's still something when there's still something to say when you completed something, right? I do believe like that to say you have completed something is important. So whether it's a degree or certificate, yeah. is there a course that you could like create, right? And kind of like say, hey, we are a university now, come to us and we will actually like train you for the stuff people want to hire for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have we had this opportunity, you know, uh, to talk to like the chancellor of uh, you know the the university that I went to because they see you know our work. We've been featured on TV here, and uh, the other brother of mine I, I told you about is one of the biggest artists in in Uganda. So we have the exposure, but as I told you, it's very hard to change the status quo. So we went to one of the institutes that is big into what we are doing. They are still locked up in the, the other traditional things, and we told them, you know what. We, we, I think we can revolutionize this learning to have a one-year program whereby someone comes up after 20 to 12 months when they're already learners for life and they're going to be able to change their lives. And so they offered to give us, to, to offer certificates that is in their names, but they are not willing to take on, you know, whatever we are doing because they want to have these kids for three years so they can make that enough money uh, from them. So as I told you, it's, it's about the money rather than changing the system. So as I told you right now, first, we, we, we are going to replicate these programs with this institution that is starting up by Fields of Life and then another organization that is called uh, Impact Nations that are doing this kind of thing because there's, it seems that these, the government, it's going to be hard to, you know, to, to partner with them. But they, are, they like what we are doing, but they cannot uh, adopt it and put it in their system because it's a money-making machine. So I think we should call it the Change Your Life Degree Program. Because <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> what it will do. That's what it will. That's what it will do. And it's. it's but you know what? I, do you know what I would do, brother? Is that you know it? It goes down to funding because, to be honest with you, do you know the numbers that we receive? Because we started receiving. I can show you like the the applications on our website. We received five hundred students this year, twenty twenty, because we went on TV and everyone wanted to be part of this program. But right. then we didn't. We don't have enough space for that, and then sure. we also don't have. Uh, we don't also don't have enough infrastructure like to accommodate all these kind of kind of people, and so that's that's the challenge. But uh, you know, having the vision and doing what you're doing, we are like we are invent we invented a seed, but we just have to find ways of planting it a million times. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's <laughs> it's a, it's a it's one of those kind of good problems to have is that mm. you have too many people wanting to make their lives better. Right. Like yeah. that's a good problem. That's a good problem to have, right? It's just now yeah. figuring out how we can how how we can, yeah. How we can like actually, like you said, build the infrastructure up and have the ability to train all these people, train everybody correctly, yeah. right? Like make sure every yeah. body has the correct training, the correct one on one like capabilities. Cause yeah. that I mean the problem with really every school system is that like you not everybody learns the same, right? It's yeah. just like you want to be able to to yeah teach a bunch of people but also teach them the right way because this person might learn differently than this person so you might have to tweak how you're teaching things differently that's one that's one thing that i've learned in our program that uh you know we've been able to see students that are slow like there's a girl that i work with right now she's called brenda uh brenda was a slow learner 
is no learner. You know, she was one of the worst students in her classroom, but I saw something in her that over time she can do it. And right now she's one of the best employees that we have. But it's about uh, understanding that we are all not equal. We are like fingers. And so we need to know how does, how do we tap into this someone's potential however much they, they don't have the capability to get information like the other person. So uh, uh, individualizing the system and also tailoring them to to their to the needs of the people has really made it successful. How I usually like to like to end things or wrap stuff up is is to ask about like the future a little bit. I know it's it's especially in this time we're all in now the future is much more <laughs> just it's it's hard to kind of understand what it's going to be like um a little mm. bit but what what does it look like from you from you know now what do you what do you envision now right? i mean you've you've done this now for for like years right like almost a decade or over a decade like how how long at this point yeah i studied in uh like you know registering everything that was 2014 2013 and then i registered in 2014 so you know five oh, years yeah, yeah. yeah yeah great and then but so for the next sort of you know five years ten years like what's driving you right now like what's what are you passionate about right now that's gonna you know keep in keep you motivated so you can keep impacting lives you know for decades to come yeah the the new africa and uh i'm yeah yeah i'm passionate about driving this message across beyond the people that i'm hoping era 92 i believe i hope is gonna be a successful you know youth creative agents in its own thing and after that, everyone, you know, my creative team uh, and also the board members, we realized that the Elevate program is eventually going to become an institute. And also after that, we have to replicate it. We have to scale. We, have think, we are thinking about scalability in the next five years, at least to 12 districts, because you have over 50 districts in Uganda. But we are looking at these major ones that are becoming cities uh, so that we can also tap into that potential. But beyond this, my drive is to see that the untapped potential across Africa is tapped because one, right now we have one of the fastest growing you know, population. We have the youngest population. And uh, you know, I've been reading statistics and it shows that at least by 2050, we are gonna have a biggest workforce than China. Wow. And at least 1 billion young people will need jobs by then. And so what does this mean? We are like sitting on a tick timing bomb because so many uh, 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 company or government institutions are not creating enough jobs for us. And so the biggest challenge we have moving forward is how do we solve the problem of youth unemployment? Mm -hmm. And first of all, it has to go back to the education. We have to get the education going, but this education only has to be as good as we pivot it towards skill development, vocational skills technological skills and all these innovative ways of learning for young people because they are open to this. Their minds are so curious to, to capture these things. And so uh, once you bring these young people as partners in this like uh, wheel of change that we are trying to create across Africa, because the problems we have in this community or in Kosovo are the same in Abuja, are the same in Abuja in Nigeria, are the same in Kibera in Kenya, where I was last month. So I realized that the problems we're having are the same, but how do we get the models that are working to be replicated across the, the vulnerable communities that we are trying to serve? So my drive is to have the message, you know, cut across as I'm building my agents 
and uh, also building our organization uh, 92 hands. But basically, that's my drive right now, uh, at least for the next 20 years. <laughs> and so we have we have that thing, the dream is called the New Africa Dome. And this is a place where we are going to have innovators, athletes, musicians. It's going to be a dome whereby we are going to be creating world-class talent from Africa. And so that's my vision for 20 years. But for the one for five years is basically uh, replicating the programs that you're having at Elevate Era 92 and 91 to the communities that need them. So that's cool. it, brother. I, I would say this. I would say this, my brother. You don't know what you did. So I'm, I'm going to just cut this just for you. You might cut it out. But this is it. Once you did the 37 social entrepreneurs to watch out in 2020, this is what happened. Many people called me. Many people want to know or learn about what you're doing. And why am I saying this is that because the message that I want to cut across or take to the world is a partnership between the West yeah. and Africa. That's the link that I'm trying to create. And for me to do this or for uh, us to do this, we have to partner with the people who are willing, you know, to give, um, um, uh, to bring Africa to the same table rather than just looking down to providing aid. So <clears throat> as I said, uh, Feeds of Life as uh, the, the other organization, once we talk to them, they are, you know, like one of the you know stakeholders. And uh, I'm looking uh, for other individuals who are in the United States uh, last year. Last year, yes, last year. And uh, we're just groundbreaking on how we can bring on this message across that if people are coming to Africa, they should think about bringing jobs. They should think about bringing their businesses. Right. They should think about partnerships. They should think about bringing their skills. And so um, those are the companies, cause artists, uh, what you guys did was incredible uh, feeds of life. Uh, as we are building, uh, there are some friends of mine, you know, in the, in the UK that are also having the same heart. You know, one of them recently become a partner is called uh, Tony McCauley, you know, and he's trying to push the message to the, the message, the message and bro, it, it's happening. I think it's time for Africa to tap into this untapped potential, but we can't do it alone. I think it's, it's not looked at, looked at as like a tech hub. Right. But like, yeah, you guys are in like geographically, like an amazing area of the world, right? You're close mm -hmm. to, to Europe, you know, you're closer to China, yeah. you know, India is, mm -hmm. is, is huge. Right. So that's like, yeah. you're kind of, you're actually centrally located, right? It's like the perfect yeah. location globally for, yeah. you know, yeah. you need to, to have, whether it's like mm -hmm. offices, right. Or have teams there. And as mm. jobs grow, mm. you know, mm. innovation happens in Africa, you know, the things mm. that are happening in, in, you know, China through innovation and even India now, I mean, India is, has, has huge potential and technology is doing a lot of things and, and they have a lot of people too, right? I mean, they have tons of people that they have to figure out, but like Amazon, mm. their headquarters, like their second, their global headquarters is in India, right? So it's like, wow, that stuff like that needs to happen yeah. in, in Uganda or it's, in Nigeria, wherever it is there's a there's essentially sort of located hub of talent, which you are creating. Mm. That then mm. brings companies in and saying, "Well, look, we already have a pool of talent here, right?" That's yep. the most important thing for these companies. Is like once you have that talent built up, which you have done, mm. that's what that's what needs to pop up more and more everywhere around Africa, yeah. so we can we can the world can understand that. Look, this is becoming mm. a hub of you know innovative 
passionate, mm. you know, young mm. people who are super talented, like that's going to breed so many entrepreneurs out of, you know, your area. It's going to breed so many different companies and, you know, it's going to, mm. I, I don't know. I, I feel like something interesting is, is, is going to happen. Uh, Cause Africa mm. is so, I don't know, man. It, it's just, it's, it's just such a, it's the center of the world, right? It's like, why can't mm. we figure out a way to make this, mm. One, you know, one of the most amazing places in the world where everybody goes for all kinds of things. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Where you got it. You got it. You just, you know, got into, you know, my passion. That, that That's what I see, you know, uh, when I when I travel, I love those places. But everything I say is like, why can't we do these things home? And it's just touch with a you know, mindset shift and also understanding those things can be done here. Uh, not to compete with the other world, but also right. to, you know, right. it's about dignity of humanity. It's about dignity of humanity. You know, we have to bring this equality. I mean, what you're doing is, is amazing, my brother. Like, I'm so, I'm so inspired right now, man. Like, I, I'm just, uh, you know, you, you humbled me when you said that, that posted, you know, yeah. it, has some positivity in the world right like that's mm-hmm. that's one example of like just you know we all have some way to play some type of role right like if, yeah, if it's yeah. a piece of content that could help out somebody mm-hmm. like that's amazing right that's the power that we all have where you know i can write something at my home but it can be seen and impacted halfway across the world right like that's what we have mm-hmm. to understand what we have the power of, of just individuals of like just following your passion. Right. And like talking to people that you are, you, you share that same mentality with that is, that's a great recipe, man, for, for something cool and something interesting yeah. to happen and, and just accelerate yeah. that impact around the world. No, it, it was a hit. Yeah. It was a hit. That thing was a hit. And uh, I'm so humbled. It, it, it started, you know, my 2020 in a very, very rightful moment. And, uh, just a piece of content can change your life, brother. Well, I appreciate everything you're doing, man. I, I'm gonna stay. I'm staying inspired, and you're motivating me to to do to do even more stuff, man. So I appreciate all you're doing. Best of luck for for the rest of this this year, obviously, and obviously for years to come. Thank you so much for taking time. I know it's late over there. You know, yeah, yeah. People don't realize the time is going, going to going to one a.m. It's almost yeah, <laughs> like one a.m. There, he's he's up doing that. So yeah. obviously, yeah. thank you so much, my brother. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Oh, bro, yeah, I really appreciate it too. You know, uh, God bless you, and you know, I just pray that you know the impact you're creating, you know, cuts across the globe. Uh, I, I believe in it, brother.